Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me, as always, is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Oh, not too bad. I uh, played uh, recreational floor hockey last night for the first time in two weeks. So, uh, getting back stamina wise, feeling, so you're feeling barely that hanging today. On. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was it was good. I'm glad I got back out there, but uh, summer season just started for the rec league I'm in. It was it was definitely tough. The lungs were feeling it. Uh, it turns out if you stop at you know get to a certain age in life that if you stop exercise even for two weeks and eat nothing but garbage you will have a hard time getting back on the exercise horse. You know, I think that's probably more the eating like garbage that did that. <laughs> probably. I, I would <laughs> say that's probably what's delaying your <laughs> See, my your philosophy, my philosophy on life, Josh, and everyone can kind of lean into this because this is just golden material I'm going to give you. Um, eat whatever at any point in time. Exercise occasionally uh, and uh, hope for the best. And die in your early 60s. That's honestly, who would want to live beyond a certain point? Like, who would want to live beyond, like, I don't know, 87? Well, it probably just depends on what your quality of life is, right? I guess so. If you're, like, bed bound, then sure, you could be like, yeah, this isn't a very good life I'm living anymore. But, like, maybe you still are enjoying life. Maybe you're reading, you know, you have family, friends come to see you, you know? Who knows? When I was younger, I always thought dying at 48 would be good. There's be still time. It's the, yeah, I've got, got about 12 years left uh, yeah. in that first <laughs> hurdle. And if I make it past 48, then I'm like, oh, well, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah, now you got to set like a new goal for yourself. I know. I'll have to come up with a whole new life plan. It'll be very rough. Very <laughs> oh, my. Um, well, today we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to start some divisional breakdowns of teams, but before this we get into that. This is the stuff that, I live for. I love this stuff. This is Mike's wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. Like off-season, like depth charts and predicting. Like during the season is obviously a lot of fun. But as you've brought up like before, I'm so into the GM side of things that it's not just the on-field stuff that I like. It's like everything that goes into building the team. So today is one of those episodes where like this is the type of stuff I'm really excited to talk about. Breaking down with you a lot of these um, team by team depth charts and what, where we think people will land. And you and I agree on some, and we have some different disagreements as well. And that's, what's interesting because we're so far away from training camp, literally anything can happen <laughs> between now and then. And probably will, because you just like, will Antonio Brown sign somewhere, Josh? We don't know. For your sake. I hope he does. No. Why? Why is that <laughs> for my sake? You won't be, that's not why because what? he will end up on your fantasy team. No, and you, will and you will be forced to play him I and then he will do something insane and cost you a championship. Again. I won't do it. I won't do it. I I'm, I I'm the monkey that learned finally about gra- grabbing that treat and getting shocked. I'm done. <laughs> I will not draft or go near Antonio Brown again. I fell for it too many times. I'm not, I'm not going to do, I refuse. I, I absolutely refuse. Fair enough. 
you say that now, but playoff. I know. Time, who knows? <laughs> I know. Don't don't you hear the like not a hundred percent certainty oh, in my yeah. voice? Because there's even a part of me that's like, well, come on. If he's on the right team, I bet you you'd try. <laughs> but no, yeah, I, oh, I. We both know. He's yeah. never coming back, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we have a couple, maybe a, what? What would you say? Like a month, month and a half left of like you're in your prime here with like the off season stuff, and then you just fall apart as the season comes on to us. Is yeah, that what well, the fans should I, expect. I think what the fans should expect is yeah, preseason me will still be pretty good because we're gearing up for draft day. So we're really like going to be preparing fans for the draft. So that makes sense. But it's, I don't know. There's just something about the off season that I, I like it all. I, I like football and sports for the most part, a hundred percent of the time all year round. So I don't know if it's necessarily that I'm going to like waver and crumble, but right now this kind of stuff it's the thing that I, I still get most passionate about. That's why I love trades. In-season trades, that's always exciting. I will watch a show that's breaking down a trade in the same level of interest that I'll watch football on a Sunday. Unless, <laughs> like, I will unless, sit there. <laughs> unless we're talking about trades that involve me, and then in which case you just check out completely. Well, that's different because your trades are absolutely ridiculous and you're taking advantage of situations. Like, you're a criminal, frankly. And I think that you need to be stopped. And my mission oh. this year would be to stop you. Guess what? You know what? I uh, I have learned from Bill Belichick. You know what? You got if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Okay. Um. Yeah. So you admit you admit that you are a cheater. You admit. Well, I don't. I don't think it's cheat. technically cheating because I didn't do anything outside of the rules. Roll back the tape, folks. You just said it. Like what? <laughs> you a politician now? You're gonna yep. go back on something you just said two seconds ago? Well, okay. W- would you dictate anything that I've ever done as cheating, like breaking the rules? That's what I thought. Breaking the rules. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I guess it depends whose rules. I mean, you're talking to the person who makes the rules. Is it? So I don't know. I I will concede it's not ethical, but okay. it's not illegal. Okay. Listen, I will say that for whatever reason, maybe because people are stupid, the people in our pool who sometimes are dumb. They they were bl- they were attacking me for trades as much as you, which I thought was ridiculous because the trades I were, was making was not as bad as the ones you were. I don't know how you convince people to make certain trades, but there are certain members of our pool who are very mad at you. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain there's a certain section of and the again, pool that all have the I wanna... same last name <laughs> that are not a big fan <laughs> of you and Jeff. Like there's discussions over family dinners about you specifically and i have to front them <laughs> because well, I'm, I'm your representative <laughs> a i take great pride in knowing that i'm a focal point of those family dinners and b <laughs> this all circles back to i don't have a means of communicating with everyone in the league We're so that i can that. We're gonna change yeah because if i can get those low ball offers out of the way and then they can be like no that's ridiculous then i'm like okay well like i would also be willing to give up like B, C, and D instead, right? But when all my options are is submitting a trade offer, I've got to go in blind, and I will always go lowball first because every now and then somebody does hit accept. So why would I start high if I have like a twenty five percent chance of succeeding low? Yeah, and that that is the problem. That's when we come down. It's it's better educating our league, which I had thought this year was going to get a little bit better because we did change out some people and we had a little bit more knowledgeable people in it. And one of the 
mainstays of our league somehow fell for it. So that, that yeah, which needs to be a, a complete and total repair of that situation. Though, again, that particular individual has a whole master plan this year. So we'll see how. I am so excited. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I'm so excited. We'll see. I'm, I'm terrified as to what that could mean. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, let's get into the news and then we'll get into our divisions. Uh, not too much news. Uh, we're recording this pretty early in the week, though. Uh, today's May 9th. Uh, you'll be listening to this when it comes out on Friday, so some news might come out in between now and then. The schedule for the NFL 2023 season will have it released on Thursday. Um, so obviously we won't be able to really dive into that today, but we can talk about some of the noted changes that they have released, which are that there will be a game on Black Friday this year for the first time in NFL history. Um, in regards to which networks are airing the games, the games are being considered free agents. In re- so essentially what that means is like networks don't have any claim over certain games this year. It's like whatever. I don't know if it's like a bidding war style or like it's like a dibs system. I have no idea what they're doing. But the word that was used to describe it was that the games will be considered free agents up for grabs to the networks. Um, yeah. <laughs> the NFL is the only sport that can get away with this because, oh, yeah. the, like, all the networks will go nuts to get an NFL game. They are Absolutely. so powerful. Normally, yeah. producers and such have to like cater to the network. This is the only example I can think of where the networks have to cater to the sport. Yeah, and I'm a little worried about like, because like if you don't get one of those like NFL packages or. Um, like subscribe to something where like they guarantee like you can watch all the games. Like, are you just gonna be like madly scrolling through your like cable guide on Sunday yeah, mornings? Like, okay, where this year you will be. Which channel is NFL, the game on today? Oh yeah, if you don't have NFL Sunday Ticket or whatever, you, you gotta you gotta throw out your preconceptions because normally certain teams you know would be on certain networks. That's gonna go out the door if this is it. Like you're gonna have to really look each week to see what where your favorite teams are or where your fantasy teams are like i i finally am breaking down and i'm i'm doing something about it like i i have to definitely just get some sort of nfl package because i was so frustrated last year with the amount like i still had a good choice of games but i there were players that i drafted that i couldn't get and i'm like what i can only draft from the particular teams i know i'm gonna see like ridiculous so yeah i mean you know which one I actually liked, uh, and th- this past season was the first time I used it was DAZN. Yeah, a couple people have said they've used that here and there. And the the reason I liked it is because I could throw a game up on TV on like whatever game, like let's say there were two or three that on like the the first of the afternoon games that were available. Pick one of them I want to watch, and then I could throw a second game up on DAZN. And then I could flick between all the different ones, like on my phone or like an iPad or computer, or whatever. And so I had access to all the games and it charges my monthly. So like come playoff time, there was never any doubt that I'd be able to watch it just on regular TV because they're always going to be on there, right? Like there's no out of market really for playoff season because there's so few games that like on at the same time, right? Like maybe wildcard weekend. But after that, there's only like two games a day. So no matter where they are, you're going to be able to watch them on TV. So then you can just cancel your subscription. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and so it ended up being cheaper than like the NFL package that's offered through my cable provider doing it that way. 
Yeah, I might poke around a bit. Maybe I'll be a free agent for, for <laughs> these packages and I'll I'll look around because there's a few that have come up there because now that they the thing you got to be careful about because now there's that deal with Amazon for some yeah. of those games, those Thursday games. You have to make sure you get that included or you're going to be out on. I mean, a lot of people have I mean, I have Prime, so it's fine. But still, like you want you want it all in one place. You want to be able to turn on TV or your device, go to one place, pick the game and go. As opposed to like, I got to sign in over here or over here or over here. Um, but the, it's just, again, like, so that means like what the Thursday, I guess the Thursdays ones would be an exception to this. Because they, they, I'm sure they would have the Thursday schedule. Be, okay, here's our Thursday night football. Here's our Monday night football. Are the networks going to get those two? Like what network can I'm have not Monday sure. night football? Like that's my question. How, that, yeah. how does that affect the primetime special days? I'm not sure. So they do mention Thursday Night Football in primetime, but not in that regard. Hmm. So the only mention that was in it was that teams can be on Thursday Night Football twice. Right. And not all teams are guaranteed a primetime slot. So what that should mean is that we shouldn't have to sit through like a absolute like bottom of the barrel, like Thursday night game or like a Monday night game anymore. Yeah, Uh, they they should be flexing them and, and changing them. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it means for which network you're gonna be able to watch them on. Maybe we'll get some more insight once the schedule is actually released. Once it's know. released, I'm sure that's when we'll get it. Yeah. Um, the bears offensive coordinator has described Justin Fields as light years ahead of where he was last year. So it seems like they're moving forward full tilt with Justin Fields. Hopefully like I said when we did our mock draft episode, um, if he is used the same way that they used him at the end of the season, he could be extremely, extremely productive for fantasy. If they go back mm-hmm. to how they used him at the start, that could be a huge bust. So they're saying all the right things, but as I'm sure anybody who follows football at least somewhat regularly knows, like all the talk in the offseason means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. So. And, it, and I mean, what else are you going to say about your guy too? Yeah. Um, yeah. This guy but, sucks. We're stuck with yeah. him. Sorry. Like Chicago's one of those teams, like inside and outside of fantasy. They're, they're an interesting one to me. Is there anything you just said? Like the, I think the potential is there for fields to, to establish itself, become another stable quarterback for fantasy, but you just don't, no, like that would be a very quick turnaround, really, from what this team was. I know they had a really good end of season, but the the Bears were such a mess this year. Um, I just I just don't know where to rank them at this point. Like it's good. when we get there, it'll be very interesting that conversation because the potential's there. Yeah, the NFC North is a pretty interesting division. I'm excited for when we get to breaking them down. Yeah. Um, other off-season talk is the Chiefs, uh, Kansas City Chiefs GM hopes that Kadarius Tony can become the wide receiver one for the team. Um, whether or not that'll do anything for fantasy football, who knows? I, I probably doubt it, but uh, that seems to be the guy that they're putting their, their hopes into can be the lead guy for this season since Juju has left. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dolphins signed another tight end, uh, a veteran in Tyler Croft. Probably not going to make much of an impact for fantasy either. And the Buccaneers are potentially in talks to sign running back Ezekiel Elliott, which would absolutely crater 
any value for Rashad White because mm-hmm. it would probably become a repeat of last season where Ezekiel Elliott would take on the Leonard Fournette role. Yeah. Um, which could be very valuable for fantasy, especially if they're scoring a lot, but their quarterback situation is also very different. So who knows? Do, do you think that there's any potential there, though, of because the quarterback situation is not great? And I know, I know they still have some good receivers there, but let's just assume the quarterback is who he is and we know who he is. Um, <laughs> for the running game, do you think there's any potential where it's like, because you've got to score points and offenses are going to get something, that, that White and Elliott could, could have some sort of 1A, 1B where they are both like getting points because even like Ezekiel for you know for a portion of the season even when Tony Pollard was going he was getting points too like it is possible two running backs can can have good amount of points obviously you're going to favor one over the other but do you think Elliot might be coming in and like you could say okay well Elliot may take most of the reps now but White might be able to play that second role here and there where you throw them into your flex for certain matchups for, for big touchdowns or big moments because they have no other choice because their quarterback's terrible. Like, do you think that could happen? <laughs> I mean, it could happen, but unfortunately that all dictates around how the offense wants to utilize the running backs. Right. Yeah. Cause um, like, like we saw in Dallas, like with Ezekiel and Tony Pollard, they kind of were able to, carve out their own roles and still both be somewhat productive together. Um, obviously it was better when it was just one of them. But if we see like all Rashad White is getting is the pass catching work, like that can yeah. be like a he could have a boom game here or there where he catches a touchdown pass or like breaks one free for a big rush. But if Ezekiel Elliott's getting the majority of the carries, then it really limits his upside. So I think that gets rid of the whole one, a one B thing. Yeah. Um, what typically happens at least with the running backs is because teams like to throw the ball a lot more than run it for the majority of the time in the NFL, the one, a one B thing doesn't really work out because they just end up limiting each other and they both kind of become like the one B. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how that pans out if Ezekiel Elliott were to even sign there. Like, who knows? I, I don't think he can be signed anywhere until June 1st anyways, so we still have yeah. a little less than a month before uh, we'll see anything. So, Other teams think, will definitely be interested in him, so he, I'm sure he'll have some choice. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's some other teams who didn't get a running back in the draft who might want to take a shot at him. Um, but we'll move into our breakdown of uh, the division, and we're starting off with the AFC East. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go team by team. We're going to just break down what their, their currently projected depth chart is in terms of the fantasy-relevant positions. And then we'll just talk about the guys on the team that we feel we need to talk about. Like, So we're going to start with Buffalo. So, for example, Josh Allen's the quarterback. Nothing really needs to be said there. We already know he's going to be a top two quarterback for fantasy so no nothing really surprising going on there uh their running back room currently projects james cook and damian harris james cook is currently projected as the rb1 so i don't know if that will actually pan out or not maybe they saw something in him they saw enough in him last year that that's why they got rid of devin singletary like i don't know but they brought in damian harris for a reason too who we saw in new england can be very uh, very productive for fantasy, especially in a high-powered offense. So I really 
I think it will end up being Damian Harris as the RB1. Do you have any thoughts there, Mike? Um, I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be irrelevant um, because they won't run the ball. Um, I think that Cook, to me, is is RB2. And I, and I do think Harris will get more opportunities because being new, coming from a different system, I think they'll try to use him in in some some red zone situations um i i just don't get the sense that cook is miles ahead of what they lost in devin singletary so i mean again being a bills fan i obviously have both my biases on the positive and the negative like i really strongly think they have a weak running game and that this is going to be their downfall once again and i'm very disappointed they did nothing to address this so I, I put Harris one, Cook two. I think that's what it's going to end up being. And I personally think if you're drafting a running back off of the Bills, I would go with Damian Harris. But I like to me, he's not he shouldn't be your flex. He shouldn't be your one-two. He's, he's a bench guy you throw in when you really get a matchup where it's like, well, the Bills are going to have no choice but to try to run here. You just know they're not going to do it. Even if they're supposed to, they're not going to run the ball unless they absolutely have to. They should have a balanced game. They're just not going to. See, I think I think Harris. Like I agree. I think Harris will be the one for the team, but I think he could serve value as like a, a flex because of uh, like just how often they're in the red zone and getting close to the goal line. Right. And maybe tr- I think they may now again. Maybe I'm just reading into it. Uh, but with Josh Allen's injury to his elbow, maybe they're starting to realize. You know, like we need to take a little bit better care of our quarterback we can't be letting him run all the time mm-hmm. so you bring in like harris is a really stocky guy he runs hard he's great at running up the gut so why not let him take those runs like even if it's only like on first or second down you know in the red zone when you're goal to go why not like we limit the exposure to josh allen we still have that as an option and then we have a great receiving uh Great receiving weapons that we can throw to should Damian Harris not be able to plunge it in, right? I hope so. you're right. I do. Like, I, I, I really hope you're correct. I haven't seen that out of the Bills yet. No, and, and that's the thing. It's like, I'm just reading into the fact that this year we actually saw Josh Allen get taken out because he was running the ball, and maybe that's that reality check that they need, but... I could be way off and then go right back to doing the exact same thing come week one. So, and and that's what frustrates me about this team. And we we can we can quickly recap, I guess, at the end um, where we think teams will finish and everything. But but it, like the thing I I'm frustrated about the Bills is I I think they'll have another great regular season. Totally. Oh yeah. I don't. I just well, they they didn't win the Super Bowl last year. So why do they keep acting like they have? They, they didn't make it they didn't make significant changes to this offense to bring in pieces to improve upon last year and unless they're going to fundamentally change which they haven't two years in a row this will be year three uh, they're probably going to say yeah okay Allen will run with the ball he's good he wants to throw it's going to be him and Diggs use some of the tight ends here and there but they're not going to utilize that running game and that's very frustrating i hope you're right and they've changed because they need to protect Allen. he's their biggest asset but i just i haven't seen i i thought they'd bring in a, a bigger name running back i thought they'd go after someone with a thousand yard history who they bring in and be like this is finally going to solidify running backs they decided to not do that i agree with you harris could have an impact 
I'd rank them a little bit lower than you do. Like you're kind of saying, hey, flex pick could be a good flex option. I think at best, he's a bench player that you throw in here and there. I could be wrong. If the Bills come out of the gate flying and they fundamentally change how they run that offense through preseason and early in the season, then yeah, you could you could definitely see some value because like you said, the Bills will be in the red zone a lot this year. So Harris could be very valuable. Time will tell. Um, for the wide receiver core, they have Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and listed as their slot wide receiver to start, Khalil Shakir. Mm-hmm. Um, we know, we saw everything we need to see with Stefan Diggs. I think over the course of the season with Gabe Davis, we saw he's not really capable of being a consistent no. wide receiver two for the team. Very disappointing. Um, but I, that actually does lead me into the tight end situation because they have Dawson mm-hmm. Knox and then they yep. drafted Dalton Kincaid. They sure and did. <laughs> but there's a strong consensus going around that Dalton Kincaid is going to become their number two receiving option. So it would be really? Diggs and then Kincaid. Yeah. Really? Because, because of how he performed in college and because mm-hmm. they didn't do anything else in regards of like drafting a wide receiver, making any offseason move and changing up their wide receiver core. Right. Th- there is a strong feeling, um, at least in the fantasy community so far, that Dalton Kincaid might be Josh Allen's second target as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, it, um, at the end of the day, one of the things that I will say is that there are much smarter football people in the head offices of, of these teams. So maybe they looked at Kincaid in the draft and said, hey, at our draft position, we can get a tight end that's better than any of the potential receivers we could we could sign, and he's younger, which is key. You want some of that young talent. You want someone you can build in. So if they think – I didn't think Dalton Kincaid was that highly touted personally. So I thought, oh, he, they're bringing in a, a second option for Dawson Knox at tight end, some of the challenge there. Most teams have been using two tight ends pretty efficiently. But hey, if what you're saying is true, if the fantasy community is seeing kind of the wind blowing that way, then yeah, that could be a really huge addition to finally get that receiving core. Because I agree with it. Like, I don't think Davis is going to do it. Like, Diggs, great option. We know what he can do. I even think Knox has some good fantasy upside. If Kincaid could be the other one, then I, I can finally say, hey, there's another good receiving option for the Bills to draft. Because before that, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically the way that I'd heard it explained, and I'm not sure if this was, um, like, if this came directly from the Bills or not, but basically the way that it was explained was that by the time they were getting ready to pick, and obviously they traded up um, to jump the Cowboys because the Cowboys were going to take Dalton Kincaid, I guess he was, like, their best ranked receiver that was still on the board between tight ends and wide receivers. So they wanted him, and they knew if they didn't trade up, they were not going to get him. Mm. So hopefully that pans out, I guess, and gives Josh Allen that extra target. Um, And then Davis can always still be, like, that deep threat because we did see that plenty of times last year. They just never... They just couldn't consistently connect. Um, which, Which does have value, like... I mean, uh, Jamar Chase, like a lot of his fantasy production comes from those deep bombs, right? right. Now, him, him and Joe Burrow connect a lot better than Allen and Davis did, but still has value, and it's still someone you can play like 
bye weeks, injuries, flex, like whatever you want to do, like for that swing at the fences. But hopefully Dalton Kincaid can bring a bit more uh, consistency, yeah. I guess, to their passing game. Yeah, I'm a little more un- uncertain with Davis. Like, um, I-, I would, again, I would rank him like slightly lower um, than than what you have. But I can see kind of what you're you're saying. I just think, listen, I, I think Allen and Diggs are the obvious com- combo. Like like you said, we don't have to spend too much time talking about them. Then as you start looking at it, like, okay, we're basically identifying Davis maybe little bits in here. There could be some value. Harris could have some value depending on how they play. It sounds like people are starting to look at Dalton Kincaid a little differently. I'd be very interested to see if that's true, if if they end up using him, because then I look at that offense a little bit better than I have been. But as I'm going through the depth chart and that we just laid down, after Allen and Diggs, it starts to get a little thin. Um, and I know when you have an all all class quarterback like Josh Allen, any receiver he he can make look good on occasion. But will he fall into the Patrick Mahomes trap where he's spreading the ball around too much? Right. Well, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is we saw that with Patrick Mahomes, and it worked yeah. out great for him, but for him. not for any receiver. Yeah, exactly. But at least he... on the Bills, like it's it's a good question. Like I'm very curious. Like this is this is a year where we're going in with a lot of question marks on the Bills, which is is exciting in a way. Yeah, but basically, like, if you want to guarantee, take digs, and mm-hmm. then after that, you're just you're shooting your shot on the guy that you believe. Yeah, and probably not another candidate for a top round pick. Like I think these are di- no, like, you no, pick no. them up later in the draft, right? Like yeah, absolutely, no one yeah. else. It's Allen and Diggs. Take them early, absolutely. But the rest, I think you can wait. Yeah, those are guys like mid to late rounds where you're just okay. Who has a chance? Yeah, yeah. Who has a chance of being like a home run pick? You know, totally agreed. Anything else for the Bills, Mike? No, I think that's good. Let's keep going. All right, let's move on to the Dolphins. So at quarterback, talk about them Dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) My guy. (laughs) At at quarterback, we've got Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I, I think it goes without saying the biggest question mark there is just his health you know what are we going to see him play a full full uh season this year uh i'm going to touch on that a bit more when we go over how we think the division is going to shake up in terms of performance totally but like we saw the miami it was like a tale of two offenses last season with if he was there and if he wasn't there yeah i i think you you nailed it right on the head there i think it's um it's all about health if he's healthy Tua becomes a very good quarterback target because he proved he can score big. They when the offense with him it really works. We'll have to see what his health situation is like. Yeah, and unfortunately, just with the nature of concussions, like it's going to be one of those things. Every time he gets hit, you're everyone's just going to be holding their breath and hoping yeah. it's not happening again. Yeah. Um, so a bit of a risky pick if you're going that route, but absolutely has the potential to, uh, reward you incredibly. Definitely. Um, in the running back room right now, we've got Raheem Mostert projected as RB one with Jeff Wilson jr. As the RB two, mm-hmm. uh, if Raheem Mostert, unfortunately is kind of along the same lines as, um, as Tua, cause he has struggled with injuries throughout his career but he is extremely fast so if he stays healthy and it seems like they've committed with him being their guy at least for this year 
um, with Chase Edmonds getting traded away last season and both of them being brought in. If he can stay healthy, like he 100% can be effective on the ground and could really ease the load off of Tua. So for yeah. Tua's sake, I hope Raheem Mostert works out. Um, but I also am also a big fan of Raheem in terms of fantasy. Jeff Wilson Jr., I think he's just like he's just going to be what we've seen throughout his fantasy career. He will have his moments, especially if Raheem Mostert gets injured. He could become pretty productive for fantasy, especially attached to this offense. But if he's as the RB2, then we'll see him on third downs and maybe every uh, every few weeks he has a boom week where he managed to get into the end zone kind of a thing. Um, not really worth being on your fantasy roster unless you're waiting to see if Mostert gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think everything you said is right on right on the, the docket there. I mean, you could have two effective running backs, but obviously injury is, is kind of the factor here. Wilson Jr. will play more um if if injuries come by but i think i think you gotta you gotta wait here too that's the thing about the dolphins if they're healthy this is going to be an explosively good offense oh yeah this is a scary offense absolutely um but but injuries happen chances are someone's going to get hurt but hey you know if if they're if they're healthy that this will be this will be really interesting and i agree the running game can only help to it um, and help that offense. So I think it it really you're starting off strong. You've you've that's two players and maybe a third that I think have have high value because Jeff Wilson Jr. Again, he might you know you never know if there's an injury he might be worth it. They might utilize two running backs a lot. Um, we we've seen Miami do that before where they traded and brought in Jeff Wilson. You know it all depends. He he might be a good late pickup in case there is an injury. Yep. You just got another one of situations. You got to call your shot. Do you trust yep. Mahostert to stay healthy? Yeah. Uh, in the wide receiver room, we have Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and in the slot, Cedric Wilson. Hmm. Yep. Um, I think we saw this year, again, it all comes down to Tua. If Tua's healthy, both Hill and Waddle can be top 10 wide receivers for fantasy. Without a doubt. If, if Tua's not there and we have to start dipping into the backup quarterbacks... Tyreek Hill is going to be the one who maintains his fantasy value. We still saw a dip there, but he is still, the guy is just so fast. It's so hard to cover him that he will get open and even the worst quarterback can hit him yeah. uh, because he's so, so incredibly wide open. Uh, unfortunately, it's Jalen Waddle who starts to drop down more because he needs more. He's more of that, uh, like the Keenan Allen role, like a lot of, a lot of pass catching, a lot of like short to middle uh, yard routes uh, and he just racks up the points that way but if the QB play quality goes down so does his quality of receptions so unfortunately Jalen Waddle is kind of tied to to his health um, and then Cedric Wilson I mean like he weighs competing with the other two guys there's probably not gonna be much there for him unless one of the two of them gets hurt yeah probably again injuries but but yeah like you said he'll waddle I put them right up there like there you go that's four dolphins that could really be high value, good picks because they've proven when this offense is rolling that Tua goes to both of them. Um, different situations, but it works so efficiently. It's honestly what we kind of thought the Bills were going to have last yeah. year with, with yeah. Davis and, and Diggs. And the Dolphins did it at the beginning of the year with Hill and Waddle, and they were excellent. Yeah, that's absolutely right. 
Yeah. Uh, and for their tight end room, we got Durham Smythe and Eric Sobert. Sobert. Absolutely useless picks. I'm going to yeah, call them no, right now. Yeah, I wouldn't draft a Dolphins tight end. I, I, I still personally think they that someone like Cedric Wilson might be slightly better to go after than any of those tight ends. Because yes, if even if there isn't an injury, he'll get something. But it, I don't think they're going to utilize the tight ends here. I think they're going to focus on this running game. They've got two big weapons, offense, like all these weapons that we're naming. I think they got they moved on from a tight end to save money. They, they're not yeah. going to use them. They don't really use tight ends in the passing game that much. Not really, no. Yeah. I I think you like you said, yeah, you can you can find a better option somewhere else, even in Without like a, a pretty doubt. barren tight end uh landscape. I, I wouldn't go for them. Well, I mean, we you already named them, like Kincaid, yep. Knox could could be better options for you than what the Dolphins have. Again, powerful offense, but the weapons are gonna be elsewhere, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the New England Patriots. So they uh, they're sticking with their guns at quarterback with Mac Jones. I, How do you feel think... about that as a Patriots fan? Like, uh, go, go full fan bias here. How do you feel about Mac Jones after seeing him now for a couple of years? I long pause. Not a good sign, guys. <laughs> uh, I I think he's fine. I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's great either i think he is i think the patriots are just kind of stuck in like he's good enough to get the job done but like he's not leading like the playoff he's not leading them to a super bowl you know what i mean um and and i think they're still the patriots are still rebuilding from like the tom brady dynasty and how everything was running that way um like their wide receiver room has never really been truly great like they've never been a team that like had elite wide receivers like except for maybe Randy Moss back in the day um since then it's been like a lot of like Julian Edelman Wes Welker like they were by no means like elite wide receivers they were just playing with Tom Brady um and now we're in uh, the Patriots in the position where they have Mac Jones and the same kind of caliber of wide receiver room um so it's hard without a like they need to change something. They either need an elite quarterback or they need an elite wide receiver to come in to kind of kickstart right. them. I think. Right. Um, neither of those things really happened in this draft. They focused more on the defensive side, which is not very surprising for me. Like as a Patriots fan, because Bill Belichick loves having a very strong defense, and if you can keep their offense off the field, then even an average offense is going to score touchdowns, right? Um. And like you and I were talking about before the, before we started recording, like the Patriots were two fumbles, one in each, one fumble in two different games away from being in the playoffs last season. Yeah. So they the pieces are there and they're extremely well coached, but they just don't have these elite options that like in the two teams we just talked about have, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fair. No, I, I would. I, I wouldn't. All good points. Get, I wouldn't take Mac Jones in fantasy, though. No, because, no, because he's, a, he's a pocket passer, but he's not an elite pocket passer. So no. your upside is severely limited. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think, like, I think there could be some value in other places with the Patriots, but I just think Mac Jones is is really just not worth having in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, their running back room, Ramondre Stevenson projected as the RB1. I'm pretty sure that's how that will stay. And yeah. Pierre Strong Jr. is as the RB2. Um, 
things are lined up for Ramondre Stevenson to be very valuable for fantasy, the way that the Patriots offense is run. However, the Patriots also have a historical trend of basically just ruining your fantasy plans when it comes to running backs and they'll just start giving Pierre Strong Jr. and whoever their RB3 and RB4 is carries all in the same game because of something that the coaches saw. So on paper, Ramondre Stevenson has a great opportunity and he's a great football player. He's we've seen how strong of a fantasy player he can be. If the Patriots kind of steer away from their their historical trends and use him consistently, he could be a great pick for fantasy. I am just terrified to draft him because of what I've seen the Patriots do year after year. Right. Yeah, like that's the thing. He he is a tempting pick. Um, and I would say there's there's lots of values there. But you do – that's interesting insight because I didn't know that that was what the Patriots did. I just knew that there were times where the ball could spread out to those running other running backs and you're not seeing Stevenson get you know, the same volume as some of the other top running back. So he has potential here. Um, cause he, you know, he, he's definitely on my list as, as a potential pickup, but yeah, I mean, for what you're saying, that's uh that's a real high risk that you're taking. Yeah. You're basically just rolling the dice on what the Patriots are going to do. If they do the same as always, you'll still probably have a, like Stevenson will probably still have a good fantasy season, but if you pay top value for him, and then yeah. the Patriots do what they normally do, you are not going to get that return, unfortunately. Belichick's they, not <laughs> Yeah, let's probably be, not. Yeah, let, let's be real. <laughs> um, because, like, we saw that with Harris and Stevenson just even this past season, right? Like, when they were both healthy, they both played, and it kind of hurt their fantasy values for each of them. If one of them was mm-hmm. injured and the other one got to play by themselves, or relatively by themselves, they, they did great things for fantasy. So... We're going to have to wait and see what they, what role Pierre Strong Jr. plays in this offense until we know. And unfortunately, it's going to be too late because you've already drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, their wide receiver room, they have Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Kendrick Bourne as the slot wide receiver. Um, I don't know. I think this will probably come down to what we see from Juju. Devontae yeah. Parker could be v- good too, but again, it's Mac Jones throwing on the ball, so... I would probably be sticking away from the wide receivers here because really the only one who's going to be valuable is the guy who becomes the go-to target, and we don't know who that's going to be yet. Yeah, I've got them ranked kind of as my... I like to categorize. You know how you like to tier things? I like categories. I've got them in kind of my waiver category where I'm not necessarily going to be running to draft anyone here, but I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens. And I would think that like either one, Smith-Schuster or Parker, could be a pretty good waiver wire pickup if Jones starts moving. But I just think I just think the risk's too high that this is going to be another, you know, you know how Bill Belichick's teams are. They're slow, methodical, wise, right choices to to you know take you down in slow, smaller scoring games. And I just don't think. You're going to see a lot of value here because Belichick's not going to change. And why Why would he? He doesn't have Tom Brady, so he's got this other kind of offense going. And this is a team that, that can be and will probably be a playoff team. So I just think that the value here in these receivers is pretty low. Yeah, on, you're right. It's probably going to come down to assuming 
that they're not drafted in your league. It's going to come down to, we'll see probably week one. Yeah. Okay. Juju got 10 targets and Parker got five Yeah, so or, or vice versa or sure. yeah, whatever yeah. way. And then, yeah, hopefully you get them. And then even mm-hmm. then their value is probably unfortunately going to be in PPR formats because they're getting the receptions. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, and then in the tight end room, they have Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. Hunter Henry is a pretty big question mark. Two mm-hmm. seasons ago, he was in the end zone nonstop. Yeah. Last season, he was barely in the end zone, and both were with Mac Jones. So, yeah, you never, you just don't know. But this is where no. that you could have some value, though. Like this is the area where you look at and go, okay, you don't know what's going on anywhere else. Hunter Henry might be a might be a risk. I mean, it's such a roll of the dice with tight ends across this league. We talk about it all the time. Hunter Henry's someone who could like if he if he had the season from two years ago, you're in you're in great shape. If he has a season like last year, you're not. So you just don't know what it's going to be like. But he's someone yep. who I could see still getting drafted for his name value. And then we got Mike Gesicki, uh, Mike Gesicki in there, just muddying the waters even further. You know, is Might he well. going to take on? <laughs> is he going to take on the Jonu Smith role and be mainly a blocker who also catches occasionally? Is he going to be a pass catching who sometimes blocks? Like. What are we going to see? And unfortunately, again, that's the thing we're not going to know until we get into the season. Because the Patriots are famous at being tight-lipped about everything. Uh, yeah. Because they're so they're so football smart. And it does absolutely nothing positive for you in terms of fantasy. <laughs> well, and that's uh, the thing. Like, you can, like, what he's doing has, has brilliance here because, you know, with Mac Jones being that pocket quarterback like he could use his two tight ends well oh, absolutely. they could come in for block situations they could do short yards they could do passes again great for short yardage five six seven yard plays then run it for three four yards first down move it not great for fantasy but he doesn't care <laughs> he no. just doesn't care <laughs> bill belichick does not care about your fantasy no, team no, as much as not. i sometimes wish he did yeah he does not <laughs> and he will if you ask him about it he will not hesitate to tell you that you're you're just awful. Yeah, as much as I I really uh, like idolize him as an NFL coach, I genuinely don't think I would ever want to meet him because he just seems so <laughs> angry all the time. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I'm, I don't think he wouldn't be my top choice of someone I want to uh, meet. <laughs> well, like you know, like that like that saying, like never meet your heroes. Like I'm not saying Bill Belichick is my hero. I'm just saying like like you know that expression. Sounds like he's your hero. Yeah, well, I did model my fantasy career after him, so maybe he is. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, two yeah, champions. every time, maybe. every time I say anything, to, like when I beat you in fantasy this year in the middle of the season, your text yeah. back was on to Cincinnati. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And guess what? <laughs> guess what? I went on to Cincinnati and I won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's just continue here, okay? We got yeah. another, we got another <laughs> team to go through, which is yeah. going to take us a while, and then we got to rank this division here. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll finish off the division here with the New York Jets. And uh, Mike, do you want to remind me who who do they have a quarterback again? Aaron Nipples Rodgers. Aaron Nipples Rodgers. That's right. It finally happened. He is on the the Jets, and we have no idea what version of him we are going to see this year. I mean, listen. Okay, so so a bad year for him. He he was you know what. 12th quarterback 12 or 13 or something like he was kind of in that area 
Yeah. Yeah, he so, was uh he was 13. Quarterback okay, 13. So, let's just, you know, you can probably assume that he's around there if not a little bit better. We just don't know. When a when a big name player switches teams, you honestly don't know what's going to happen. This is not the same as when Tom Brady went to the Bucks. It's not the same. Um what's going to happen here, we don't know. They've brought in some good pieces around him some of them better than others they already had a great wide receiver here like this is a team where i i see some fantasy value as much as it hurts me to say it in offenses but aaron Rodgers himself i without even trying should be able to name 12 to 15 quarterbacks that i would take over him so i think he's he does have a risk element to him you don't know how age is going to go you don't know where his mindset is I don't know how much hard work he's going to put in, but we'll see because he has that potential to turn this Jets into something where they were close to a playoff team without him. So assume that he adds at least value to the offense, making them a playoff team, making them play competitive football late in the season, which is always good for fantasy. I think where I've settled on Rodgers is that he is going to boost the wide receiver core's value, but I think he is just going to be a middle of the pack. Like, I think he might sneak into the top ten. Right. I think that's fair. I think what you're like. I think we're in, uh, we're in agreement there. Like, he. I think that's yeah. a fair assessment. He might sneak into the top ten, but really, where the value in this team is when we get there, the wide receivers will get yeah. a boost and we'll get we'll get some some good numbers. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, at running back, we've got Brees Hall and Zonovan Knight, also known as Bam Knight on uh, the NFL uh, the NFL app for some reason. I don't know where that ever came from. That's his nickname, uh, I think, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but why is he listed as that, though? Like, they don't do that with any <laughs> other player. I, I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know um, where that came from. I don't know what's what the idea is there they still i thought they still had michael carter too though don't they maybe he's gone i, I thought michael uh, carter was still there I, th- I thought they were bringing him back because that's why i thought like they, they had three receivers um but i i could be wrong um i could be wrong about that oh well, actually uh actually since we started recording i've just actually refreshed their depth chart uh, they actually have rookie israel Eben. Abanaconda uh, listed as RB two, Zonovan Knight mm. as three, and then Michael Carter at four. Okay, so, so Michael Carter is, pretty, is still there. This is a packed backfield here of potential because if they if they're putting a rookie that high, I I've because I you know Bam Knight had moments last year where he was good. Brees Hall has had moments like this is this is interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with with their running backs. Like this is a wait and see who establishes themselves out of out of camp. See, I think Brees Hall is by far and away their number one. What concerns me, though, is that he's coming off an ACL tear. And we spoke about, I don't remember if it was during the mock draft episode or it was somewhere around there. Um, But historically, the stats show that running backs coming off of an ACL injury are not very good their first year back. And then they don't really get back into the swing of things into year two. This is going to be year one for Brees Hall, even if he's ready in week one. But are we going to see the Brees Hall that was lighting the world on fire for fantasy before his injury last year? Or are we going to see a reduced version, right? And then they they spent a draft pick on Israel 
Abaconda. I, I'm going to struggle with that name this year. Yeah. Abaconda. Um, maybe he's tiding them over. Maybe they see something in him there and they think they've struck gold twice. I don't know. And, and you're right. Zonovan Knight had flashes. I, I think they saw that he can't be the consistent option for them, but he right. does have the ability to, to do well. So I don't know what to expect really from the running back room until we see Brees Hall on the field, probably in preseason. I, I would assume yeah. maybe even not though, if he's not ready yet, it might not be till yeah. week one. No, so, I, I agree. I think this is a wait and see for the running back because someone, someone's going to emerge here and they're going to need a strong running game to make Rogers effective. Like they need that. So someone's going to emerge and someone's going to have a good season and might be draftable and might be worthy, but this is a wait and see for me. And unfortunately for, in terms of fantasy, you're going to have to call your shot and decide what you believe in terms of Brees Hall, because he will go early in the draft because of how well he did in his rookie year. People are going to either be in fully and they're going to take him early in the draft or they're going to be completely out and they are not going to be looking to draft him at all and let someone else take that risk. Definitely. So if Brees Hall is someone that you're on the fence on, you're going to have to pick a side because probably after the first, within the first three rounds, I would say he's going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, but we'll move on to the wide receiver room. Uh, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and at the slot, they have McCole Hardman. So this is an interesting. Out to, to Cobb. <laughs> and, yeah, and a shout out to Randall Cobb, who, <laughs> who's, who's around. <laughs> yeah, just DM'd his way into the Jets somehow. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Garrett Wilson, obviously the pack leader there. Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb have both played with Aaron Rodgers before, and McCole Hardman coming from the Chiefs, not an elite player, but he can get the job done. So yep. it's a pretty well-rounded wide receiver core. Yep, I would say. That's probably the order you should want to draft them in, though, is Wilson, Lazard, Hartman. Hartman. Yeah, and I do think all three do, like, as much as it pains me to say it, like, all three do have value here. Um, And I think the one thing that Rodgers will do is get them the ball and increase their value from last year. So I I think that's exactly the order. You You have it right. Wilson, Lazard, Hartman. But they are all worth having on your fantasy team somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, and a tight end, they've got Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. Nothing really fun there. I, I would probably stick away from the Jets' tight end room as well, personally. I think the receivers are going to get the bulk of the offense, and then your running game is going to be kind of how they balance it. I do, Yeah, I agree with you. I don't see the tight ends being uh, hugely utilized. All right, well, that is it for the AFC. So, Mike... Why don't you go ahead and rank where you think that they're going to finish? Okay, so for my AFC East predictions, I'm going to rank at this moment that Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills will finish one, Miami Dolphins two, New York Jets three, and New England Patriots four. However, I just want to quickly note that I believe all four, I have all four teams making the playoffs this year. I, uh, I'm pretty similar to yours, slight difference. I, I too think it's very possible that the entire AFC East could make the playoffs. We almost saw that last year, yep. and we've seen some improvements there, especially when it comes to the Jets. Uh, I have the Bills finishing at one, the Dolphins at two, the Patriots at three, and the Jets at four. But quite yep. frankly, I think two, three, and four, it's a coin toss. Sure. That is 
heavily dependent on Tua's health because I think if he's healthy all season, (laughs) the Dolphins are locked in at two. That's why I have them at two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think if we see more of last season, then I think it's very possible that the Patriots could be second. The Jets could finish second. Uh, I'm just going off of, we don't know what we're getting with Rodgers and we know what we're getting with Bill, uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense. So I think that they're going to finish ahead of the Jets because Bill Belichick is always is strong against divisional opponents. So I give them the edge over the Jets, mm-hmm. but I quite frankly, the Jets could finish second and the Dolphins fourth for all I know with to his health, unfortunately. Oh, definitely. Like I, I completely agree with everything you just said. It's coin coin flip for sure. I'm assuming that two is healthy, so that's why I've got them two. And then I just think the Jets, with their powerful offense, they will just barely uh, go ahead of of the Patriots. But again, I I really am picking all four of these teams to make the playoffs, which are things like you know a bit closer to the season. We can go through some of our predictions for the year, but I I really think that all four of these teams will be playoff bound because they've made enough improvements. Um, I just don't see because of the inconsistency and in the injury potential. I don't see anyone dethroning the Bills. I think they will they will pull out the division this year. Yeah, absolutely agree there. And that is it for the AFC East. Um, you, if you guys have any fan questions for us, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at contact at conqueryourdraft.com. Go to www.conqueryourdraft.com. Go to our podcast page. Fill out the form on there. Or reach out to us on social media through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Conquer Your Draft. We love to hear from you. We love to answer your questions. We know that there'll there'll be plenty of them as we start getting through the offseason into the preseason and draft time. And next week, we're going to look to talk about the AFC North. Very interesting division, too. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe.